Welcome to Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan, a podcast about the art and hobby of miniature painting. I'm Mike. Thank you so much for joining us on our continued journey to become better, braver, happier painters. I know we've been uh, on quite a long break and we apologize for that. Uh, Maybe we'll consider this a new season of the podcast. Uh, Who knows? We never really worried about that stuff anyways. Anyways, life was busy. Now we're back on track and hopefully providing you with exceptional content. Today, we are super excited to present an interview that we had with an amazing artist. Uh, He's the creator of one of my absolute favorite miniature pieces. It's called uh, Molly, and you'll hear more about it during the interview. Um, Really a huge fan of his, and he's a super nice guy, and we'll have links to his pages in the show notes. But without further ado, uh, we present David Powell. David, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. No, thank you. This is an interview that I've wanted to do uh, for quite a while. Um, I don't know uh, if you've, you may, I know you've listened to a few episodes. You may have heard your name on the, used in the past uh, in vain. But uh, when I first got into, uh, back into painting, um, I went to a Nova Open and I, saw Roman's display and that kind of got me inspired. But when I was looking through Facebook and Instagram and then I found paint and putty and such, I'm like, where are all the American art, art artists, right? All the thing I could find were Spanish and, and other European uh, artists and British artists and German artists. And uh, then I came across your page and I'm like, Oh hell yeah, we can hang with them. And so it's really kind of cool that uh, to have you here. Cause you're definitely one of the first American artists that I got to see that, inspired me to be a better painter. Well, thank you so much. Can you talk to our listeners about how you got started in the hobby? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so I've, I've always been, you know, interested in, and I always loved art. I mean, when I was little and, and, you know, I don't know, five years old, ever. it's like everywhere I went, I had, you know, paper and pencils and, you know, go to the restaurant and I'd be there, you know, drawing and stuff. And so I kind of always liked art. And then probably in like, I don't know, fifth grade or somewhere there, my dad showed up from a garage sale with this big box of like old D&D Ralph Partha miniatures for me to paint. That was kind of my first real introduction to, to, to model painting. And, and my dad was, you know, he was the one that got me into it. He was, uh, um, he used to paint when he was younger and he was a historical painter. He liked civil war stuff. And, and so obviously that influenced some of my interest in the historical models. Um, but yeah, he was kind of what got me into it. And then I would paint off and on, you know, I definitely remember, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, I think it was like a Wolverine comic book. And I saw an ad for like old Warhammer, like the, the, the goblins and the elves, whatever edition that was, the high elves and the goblins. And I'm like, oh, I have to get this. And, you know, that kind of sparked another real you know, surge in my, my uh, painting interest. And um, yeah, it was just kind of, I just painted off and on, you know, again, kind of the, the normal thing where I'm painting for gaming and, and I, I like painting more than playing, but it wasn't anything special, kind of just normal tabletop stuff. And then it was probably around like 2010 that I, that I, tried my first large scale model um, and also kind of really started getting introduced to the forums like, you know, cool mini or not and, and planet figure and kind of just really opening my eyes at what was, was possible um, in terms of, of painting. Cause you know, you, you paint near your local comic book store or whatever, and you, you show off your stuff and yeah, you're pretty good. But for like that eight block region, you're, you're pretty good. <laughs> you know, but once you see what can be done, you know, the best in the world, all of a sudden you're like, Oh my God, there's so much more to this hobby that I could be, could be trying to do. Um, and that kind of really lit the fire and, and while well, I'd painted off and on kind of, you know, paint for a year or two and then take a break for a while. And, you know, that was, I, I really got hooked on it and just have been painting, you know, kind of solidly ever, ever since. Nice. And we had a little bit of a pre-conversation and we talked, you talked about how going to shows kind of influenced, um, your direction as a competition and display painter. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. So kind of just. Fortuitously, timeline-wise, I mean, so right when I got into painting, I right after that, I moved out to the East Coast. And, you know, for the U.S., um, the East Coast is really nice for painting because you've got, you know, you had the group in, in D.C., you've got a group up in, in New York, you've got the MFCA in, in Philadelphia. So not only were there groups that I could go and, and be part of, but there were all of these, you know, individual shows going on. Um, and I think, you know, starting out, um, you know, in, in, in the U.S. at least, there's kind of these two different worlds of, of historical painting and, and fantasy painting. And they kind of had their own shows for like MFCA and NCMSS and, and Long Island show. And there's an Atlanta show and so on. You know, they're more focused on historicals, um, whereas you've got like Nova Open and, and uh, back then Crystal Brush um, that it was more more fantasy based. Um, 
the historical ones I love because they were on the, the open system of judging where you don't have just a single, you know, one, two, three, it's, you know, everybody who deserves gold gets a gold medal. Everybody who deserves silver gets a silver medal and so on. So it was, I really liked that starting out because it let me sort of see where I fell. Um, you know, you go to Crystal Brush and like, unless you are the best in the world, you get nothing and you're going to go home and, you know, you see neat things, but you're like, I don't know how I did. Like I didn't meddle. Um, you know, and it's hard to kind of, until you get to a certain level, it's hard to really compete and enjoy the competitions when you just, you go home with nothing year after year after year. So I really liked early on those open level things. Cause you know, I could get, you know, get a bronze and then you go back next year and maybe you can get a silver next year. You kind of can see yourself stepping up and get that, that feedback, that reinforcement that yes, I am improving. I am doing better. I'm getting somewhere. Right. Um, and so I love those, those shows for that. Um, I also think just, especially the MFCA, because that one brought in people from Europe, from all around yeah. the world. Um, just seeing some of those things in person was, was just was so eye-opening because you, because you, you look at things online and maybe it's, maybe it's a little cynical, but you're like, Oh, I don't know what's painted. What's just, they got a light over it. You know, is that really there or is it just neat lighting or is it Photoshop or what? And then right. you go to a show like MSCA and see this stuff in person. You're like, Oh crap. Like they, they literally painted all of that. That is, mm-hmm. you know, wow. Um, and so that, you know, definitely, again, just keeps pushing me to try and do better and push more. And, and so, yeah, I think seeing a lot of those European painters, you know, really inspired me to try and go for that extreme contrast and, and things like that. So kind of hearing your comment earlier, you know, means a lot. Cause it's, that was, that was what I was shooting for when I was first starting out is, you know, I love their style and, and can I, can I approach it? <laughs> well, absolutely. You know, it's funny you think, when you're thinking, when you're talking about the seeing works in person. Um, it's eye-opening kind of on two different levels. Cause I think I've seen so many pieces online that the picture of them's great, but it's nothing co- like all the atmosphere and whatever temperature stuff they did to the picture. I'm like, Ooh, when I see that in lot in real life, it's even better, you know, like it's even better than, uh, than the adjustments. And I always, when yeah. people say that, I always think of Eric and his cast shadow work. You know, because yeah. you can't really pick that up in a photograph, but when you see that in real life, it's like, I, yeah, absolutely eye opening. Um, so you're on this journey to kind of improve your level and become more like, you know, not more like, but like, uh, find your way towards using like the extreme contrast, etc. What were some of the hurdles or uh, challenges that you faced on that way? I know our listeners love to hear these because they can relate. You know, it's like they see a great artist and then a great artist says, hey, you know, this is I kind of struggled with this or this this was a challenge. And they go, yes, you know, me too. (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, early on, just setting setting realistic goals because you have in your head every model you have in your head, like, oh, I'm going to I can picture what it's going to look like. And then you're like, no, it looks nothing like that when I actually paint it. And it's you you always fall short of what you want. And and, uh, so, yeah, try to kind of keep from getting discouraged. uh, um, Cause, cause you're not going to get, you know, you're not going to paint one model and the next day you're a banshee, you know, it's, it's, it's years and years of work to get to, you know, the level, you know, I, I know Roman's been very honest about like, you see his, his very early stuff. It's like, everybody starts out, you know, with that, that, you know, you're like, a, you know, you're, you're finger painting on a model and like, it, it looks like, you know, like a three-year-old did it. And that's fine. Cause you just, you're a brand new painter, you're a baby painter. It should look like that. Um, but setting realistic expectations and, and trying to kind of, yeah, just one step at a time and, and not getting discouraged. Um, yeah, that's a hard one. Yeah, that, that is a hard one to do for sure. Cause you know, especially if you're like, you're like 10 models into practicing a technique and you can't really can't see a difference yet, you know, and it, it, it persistence, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah um, one of the things I like to do is, is, and, and I, even to this day, I do it still is, is I'll have, I have my list, like in my head of all the things that I want to improve. Um, you know, and, and, you know, you can do say about, I want to do better textures for, for leather or, or cloth. And I want to do more contrast and blending. And I've got freehand and, and lighting and, and, you know, scenery elements and storytelling. And, you know, you have this expansive list of all the things that you wish you could do. Um, and my, my advice and how I would do for myself is I would pick one thing and say, okay, forget everything else. Forget about trying to make everything perfect. On this model, I want to do storytelling. So I'm going to work on making a really neat base. And mm-hmm. the fact that my leather work doesn't look like leather or my blending isn't perfect. Like, so what? My, my focus here is this one thing that I want to try and improve that. Um, and maybe two things, you know, but but because you know, there's so much that you can do and every model is going to fall short because you're not going to get everything. Um, and so, you know, especially when you're, when you're learning, I can get everything right. 
Um, so trying to kind of pick one or two things that say, this is my focus, you know, I'll do everything else. I'll, I'm going to paint everything, but I'm not going to care if it's not perfect on this or that. Um, and then kind of just slowly work your way through your list and maybe do a couple models where you're like, oh, I'm going to try and do leather. And, and, you know, I've got three or four models in a row where I'm, I'm trying to make the leather better. And then I'm like, okay, it's maybe not perfect, but it's better. And then I'll move on to something else and, and kind of keep yourself fresh. If you get stuck, you know, the next model, pick a different topic and, and do that and come back to it, you know, months later, maybe now all of a sudden you have a breakthrough with that thing that you got stuck on before. Um, but just, you know, kind of the extensive, extensive list of things, um, you know, never, never ends, but it just gives you kind of things to, to shoot for. And, um, you know, it's more manageable when you're focusing on one or two things rather than trying to do everything with every piece. That makes a lot of sense. It does. And I can, I, I can attest to the whole getting overwhelmed by all the, the, all the different, um, things that you can improve. Like my list is probably, you know, that comedian who pulls out the thing and it just rolls yeah. out on the floor. You know? <laughs> um, so, but kind of a follow-up to what you had just said, is there um, a thing that you like painting? Like when you see it on a model and go, Ooh, there's good leather on that. Or like, is there something, is there something like that you, that you like to paint or is it just kind of um, whatever, a good model is a good model. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of, you know, I think like, you know, tools in your toolbox and you start learning things and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good at my faces. So, okay, I like painting models with faces and I like doing freehand and you know, like with leather, like I feel like I've got a pretty good handle on like old worn leather. But, you know, you look at like something like Carol and it's like, okay, well, that's, that's one leather. And then you got like eight other kinds of leathers. I'm like, he's mastered all of those. I'm like, okay, I have my one. So, but, <laughs> but again, that's, 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 just a, that's my list. I've got worn leather. I've got a pretty good handle on that. But what about, you know, you got shiny leather and you got, you know, suede and you got all these other things. And so there's, there's always, always more to do, but yeah, kind of anything I feel like you kind of feel like I've got good handle on some of my strength. You know, it's always fun to pick models that at least have something on there you can paint and feel good about. Because there's always something on there you paint, paint and don't feel good about. Uh, right, that's true. Right, that's yeah. They, when people, a lot of people hit that and hit a model and go, "Oh, that's all armor. I could do NMM. Never mind." And, yeah. you know, <laughs> where is the silver paint? Um, yeah. <laughs> so you know, we mentioned a, a few of the names. Can you talk about uh, some of the artists that were your early influences as you were as you were becoming a better better painter? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, obviously, early on, I was, I was very inspired by the, the European painters. I mean, you know, Roman and, and, and Massive Voodoo was a huge early influence on, on my painting and, and still is a fantastic resource that I'll, I'll go back to all the time just for, you know, little things to pick up here and there. Um, I know uh, uh, Ben Comitz was another huge influence early on. Um, you know, some of his the, the scenes he would do, the basing he would do, the, the painting he still does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he was also one of the one kind of the first you know, big painters for me that I, that I met in person at, at one of the crystal brushes and kind of became friends with. And so that was kind of a neat oh, nice. experience, but I mean, you know, there's just, there's an endless list of, you know, wonderful painters nowadays who, who I'm inspired by. And, um, you know, I mean, Eric Swinson, one thing I'm working on right now is trying to understand how to paint those, those cast shadows. And, you know, so he's, you know, something I'm, I'm looking to and, and very, you know, inspirational seeing his work and how can I try and capture that or looking at, you know, um, uh, uh, Arnold Lazaro, I love his skin tones and the way he yeah. kind of those those little touches and things. And so I'm 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 yeah I'm doing a, a bust and I'm I'm very much you know I've got his pictures printed out and I'm looking at his and trying to paint mine. And so, but there's I mean there's so many people out there I and mean, I could kind of go on and on and on because sure. it's just you know just people do you know even you know even if you're not the top of the top like you still have things that are your strengths and you can find those things in people's painting and say oh I love how this person does those weathering or, or this or that. And just, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of room for being inspired. Right. Right. You know, and it's, it, I, I love the world and the industry painting now too, because it's become even in like the five, six years that I've been back into it, the dynamic has changed so much because you can go and you can look at artists that are out there that are very, you know, technically precise, like Kirill. And then, you can go and look at artists that are so expressive in colors and such and just go for it. Like, you know, it's like Sam Lenz is a good example yeah. of just kind of going for, um, going for it. And just, it, it's amazing to me if you, if you're like, Hmm, I wonder artists who can do this and you can find them right. And like yeah. nowadays in the world of miniatures, you can find someone, you know, there's even artists that are inspired by, I, what I saw, I saw somebody paint Van Gogh Marines, yeah. you know, I'm like, <laughs> nice. I like that. 
you know, I, I'd put those on the table. Uh, I don't play games, but I'll, I, I would put that would might inspire me to play a game, you know, <laughs> to go in with the little starry night Marines, you know? Um, so, you know, we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but, um, and this is always a, car, a tough question to, to, to kind of phrase, but can you talk um, a bit about how you uh, approach a project? And like when you start out with a miniature, like what kind of goes on through your head, et cetera, and then how you start to actually knock it out, knock out the project? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, kind of there's the, the, the tried answer of like, well, it's something that I'm inspired by, something that you know, interests me, obviously. Um, you know, you know, beyond that, you know, I start thinking about like, how can I make this mine? How can I make it unique? Because you know, any almost anything you pick, eight people have already painted it. You know, it's already on. It's already on Instagram. It's already right. on Putty and Paint. It's already painted by someone who is phenomenal. So you know, what can I do? You know, how can I approach this in a different way to make it stand out from all the the other ones? Mm-hmm. Um, whether that it is just you know, kind of a, a, a new spin on it. Whether you know, maybe you make this as a it's a bad guy, or maybe rather like a heroic model is more painted as a evil model or, or something, or, or it's you know, the color choices or the lighting. Um, just kind of how can I make it unique? Um, and then the other thing that I, that I do with a lot of my projects is I think about story and, you know, what is, what is the story of, of this figure? Um, you know, you think about like, you know, this, this, this model is, it's a moment in time, but you know, who is this person? What were they doing? What led up to this moment? Um, and then kind of start to build my, my, you know, okay, well, if I know what they're doing and where they are, I can think about what the lighting would be and what colors might be and what this might be or that might be. Um. I can give you an example. Um, one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm starting to prepare right now is, uh, I got, got it over here. Uh, this is uh, Sharky um, from, <laughs> from Big Child Creatives, one of the, the orc pirate ones. Right. Um, and so I'm kind of getting that one prepared. And so I'm trying to brainstorm like, okay, well, how do I want to paint this? What do I want to do with them? Um, and so I start thinking about, okay, well, well, you know, who is he? Well, obviously he's an orc pirate, but he's the one wearing the shark skin. So what makes, what, what's unique about him? What is, what is his role on the ship? Well, if he's wearing the, 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 the shark skin, maybe he goes in the water and he's the, the diver. And okay, well, what's what's the story? What's he doing down there? And and you know, he could be fighting sharks, but that's kind of that's kind of boring. And and you know, orcs kind of play a villain. Sharks are kind of already a villain. So you know, but maybe maybe he has something else. Maybe maybe mermaids. So maybe I I paint him and and in front of him is a mermaid that he's caught. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I, if I want to be irreverent, I paint the mermaid with red hair, and now it's you know Ariel and I kind of right. <laughs> um, of course, at this point, I realize I've got a two year old who loves Little Mermaid. So you know. There is no way that I can paint a model <laughs> that just killed Ariel. So obviously that one's out for me and I'm back to square one. But, you know, but that's kind of the process of, of just kind of bringing them in. Just a story behind the figure. You know, where are they? What are they doing? And so, mm-hmm. you know, I can't use it, but anybody else who wants to paint Sharky with a mermaid, by, by all means. <laughs> yeah, okay. So then let me, I know um, artists work in different ways um, and do you like, do you have to have everything built before you start painting? Like, do you have to build the full base or can you start painting the model and then build the base? How do you kind of work that way? Uh, it's, it's, it's a bit of both. Uh, and I'll also kind of go back to the story and that the story is also a bit of both. Like there are some, there, there are some models where I'll come up with a very, like I'll, I'll build the whole base. I'll have the whole story. Everything is planned out before I start other models where I just have, have like a glimmer of a story, like just a little something that I want to try and do. Um, I think one of the ones that I got behind me over here is the, the Hobbit piece, the, the Lost in the Dark. And that was right. just, there was a Hobbit and a lantern. And my, my thought was I want that lantern to be, that OSL to be my main light source. Okay. Um, and so, you know, kind of, I had the glimmer of a story. And then kind of as I started to, 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 to paint the piece, I kind of came up with different parts of it. Um, you know, like the OSL, that's the main light source. It helped to have like a full backdrop. So that's where I put kind of the trees behind him and built that up to kind of give you a little more dark background for the OSL to, to show up against. Um, right. And then again, kind of the, as I'm painting, I'm thinking about like, well, what, you know, painting it for, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks. So there's a lot of time to think and start to think, okay, well, I want some drama in there. I want some, something maybe he doesn't see. Maybe, you know, there's the lantern. So it's about, you know, he's in the dark. What's he looking at? But maybe he misses something that, that we as the audience see. And that's then where kind of the big spider behind him up in the trees coming down came. Um, right. So that just, that just kind of grew everything kind of came together as I'm painting and just, you know, they had a little something that, that I knew it, that I, that I knew it could work with. Um, and then the rest just, I figured out as I went. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I got, I had the pleasure of uh, seeing that piece at the NCMS online show. Oh, okay. Yeah, you, yeah. you had entered that in and I was, uh, I, I, I had to judge that piece. <laughs> <laughs> it did very well, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. 
Okay. So that's really cool. You know, I, I like the fact that you kind of go across, um, you almost, I, I, not as a critique side of it, but like, I, I just can't paint space Marines all day long. <laughs> right. And I, I get, I want to paint a 35, then a 75, then a 120, then a, you know, a bust and all, all back around. So I, I can appreciate that your work seems to be somewhat kind of all over the place with that too, which is awesome. Um, and so with that being said, are there things that you look for in a miniature that, or what kind of miniatures typically uh, jump out of the, t- out and say, paint me? Um, yeah, that's, that's hard to, hard to put, put a finger on. Um, you know, it, it can be going back to that list of like, okay, like, you know, I really want to work on freehand. So all of a sudden now, okay, well, what, what models do I already have? Or what do I see out there that has, you know, some neat banners or neat shields or things. So it can be driven more by what, you know, what particular thing I want to try and work on. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, I, I was inspired by, you know, Arno's face painting. So I, I picked a, a bust that like had a nice face and okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint this now. Um, but yeah, it's kind of that, like, you know, we all have our gray army, our, our collection of all these unpainted figures that will <laughs> never, ever work our way through. But part of it is nice just to have like the selections, whatever kind of mood strikes me. If I can just start going through my big pile of stuff and find a piece that, that, that fits that. Nice, nice. Now, I will say this, though. It does seem to be, though, that you kind of are like Eric, and you do have a bit of an orc bias, that you do <laughs> like to paint orcs. You know, um, what a kind of, uh, is there something in particular about orcs that you like to paint? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not as orc crazy as, as Eric is, but but yeah, I mean, and, and part of it, I think, is also driven by Big Child, is those orcs have so much character, and they're just kind of mm-hmm. so so fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, I... I I've, I've done a bunch of human figures recently, um, a bunch of, you know, people or elves or kind of, you know, very normal, normal characters. And so it's kind of fun to go the other, other range and do kind of more of a monstrous character and, and just orcs are, there's a lot of orcs out there and, and they're, you know, fun to, fun to do. So. It's true. Every time I turn around, I'm looking and see there's a new Kickstarter for Orc STL and the advent yeah. of 3D printing. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. it's like Orcapalooza almost um, <laughs> out there. For sure. So um, now let me ask you this question. Do you get ever like, are there colors that you have a tendency to favor? Like I know um, a lot of artists out there use universal, a lot of universal highlight colors and shadow colors. So you'll see a lot of ice yellow added as a main highlight. And then um, I know like Vince Centurella is addicted to paints gray. Um, and so are there colors like that that make it to your palette uh, quite often? Or, I, you know, I, I don't know really, like, I'll, I, I know of your painting. I don't know, like, are you a model painter, a model, model paint painter? Or do you use like the Chimera colors or heavy body acry- acrylics? Yeah, I mean, I, I just a bit of, I mean, I think Reaper was kind of my main paint set for a while. And then it's now harder to find that in person. And, and so if I need like one paint, I just kind of go up and pick, pick up something. So I've got, you know, I've got some of the Chimera colors. I've got some of the, the AK interactive colors. And I kind of have a mix of, mix of stuff. Um, but in terms of like, like shades of paint, um, I, I love Reaper's burgundy wine. It's kind of a neat, nice, deep, rich purple that I, I yes. it, it just ends up being a lot of my shadows. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I like that paint. That's, that's my deep sea green, um, or, or, you know, whatever the right, Ben Coleman's deep sea green. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah that, that's my, my burgundy purple is, is the one that I just, I just kind of work into things whenever I can. Um, I love mm-hmm. off whites. I love like kind of all the, um, like I did a crusader, like in, 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 you know, white, you know, white cloth and kind of just all the kind of off whites you can work with that and a little interesting tones in there. And so, you know, whenever I find kind of interesting off white colors, I just pick them up because I'm like, Oh, I'll, I'll find a good place for this to, to, to right. use. Right. I, I, Burgundy wine is one I have to second. I just ordered another bottle of it. And I think in, in two years, it's one of the only paints I've gone through like three or four bottles of for, for one color. I do. It's such a perfect, it shades purple, it shades red. It's good for faces. I mean, yeah. it's, it is one of my favorite colors and I can't actually find an equivalent in other paint lines. Some of them are close, et cetera, yeah, but no, yeah. I'm, I'm all about uh, that, the, 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 that Reaper Burgundy wine. Now, um, I was going to so yesterday you alluded to a story in and of itself with the Nova Open about you going to your first Nova <laughs> Open. Is that something that you'd like to share or it's something that I can edit out? <laughs> well, we, 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 we can share it. We can share it. So, yeah, the, 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 
it was an interesting show. It's my first going to Nova Open, um, and uh, uh, just a little more drama than than your normal normal show. Um, mm-hmm. I it was a, it was a multi day show, and, and so it was at this hotel, and and so we dropped off all my figures, and and thankfully I actually brought back the one of the judges said that like oh the the base is coming up on this on this figure like why don't you go and and you know take it home and you can you can fix that because I just didn't you know the glue came up or whatever, uh, but that was my probably my the best piece that I had done to that date that I brought home, thankfully, because overnight in the hotel, there was a wedding and one of the wedding guests had a little bit too much to drink, got kind of rowdy, got into a fight and was being kicked out. And on the way out, I think tore down one of the Nova posters and then decided to knock over the display case with all the figures in it. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, I come back the next morning to the the, the show and find out that like, yeah, there'd been an incident and, and a bunch of your stuff got broken. And so I, I, we talked a little earlier about, you know, fixing our own, our own mistakes. So thankfully <laughs> I, 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 I've broken plenty of my own stuff. So I've got some experience fixing things and everything was, I could, I could fix it and put it back together. But yeah, not, you know, wedding guest tackling display case. That, that's the only time I've had that happen at a show. Normally, uh, normally they go a lot smoother. You know, in my years now of being around the Nova Open, I have never heard that story. I wonder if they're just all like, let's not talk about that and jinx. <laughs> I've heard I've heard about, you know, they banned somebody from judging in the future, you know, like just because of behavior, et cetera. But that that's damn. Yeah. I would have I don't know if I, I, I do you laugh or do you cry, right? Like it's so outrageous that, you know, <laughs> yeah, my, my, my wife came with me that day because she was she was actually studying. And so she was just going to hang out to the show and study while I did stuff. And yeah, she wanted to cry. I just kind of chuckled a little bit. It was just, you know, yeah, you just what can you do? It's um, yeah, the, the, the guy said that he, he, he the next day or whatever, he tried to explain it away. And he said he got he slipped a banana peel and fell into the case. And that was his his excuse, which was very, very believable, obviously. Yeah. Did he almost get hit by an Acme hammer? Or I, I don't know. He left out of the story, but yeah, yeah. I, was, I was like, yeah, that, you stick with that story. We're, we'll see who people believe. Jeez. Do you remember who the judges were that year? Um, I, I don't know. I, I was like, it was, it was, I think it was one of the earlier um, Nova mm-hmm. open, like paint competition shows. Right. Um, I know right. Mike Schaefer was one of the ones who was organizing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, before he, he, that, he had moved away from, from DC a few years later, but this was, very, very early Nova Open. Uh, yeah, no, I, I know a little bit about, Dan, I don't know if you know, but uh, Dan is the head now, uh, my co-host is the head now of the Capitol Palette. Yeah. And yeah. so he coordinates with uh, Dave Taylor to get judges and stuff along those lines. And um, yeah, so the, I, I've heard, I've heard some of the backstory that's been filtered through him as he's, as he learned it. And so, yeah, some of the judges names and stuff, but uh, I'm going to have to see if Dan knows about the display case thing. Cause that's yeah. pretty, that's it's in hindsight. It's funny. It's also, I got to tell you, it, 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 just hearing that kind of, I don't know, my, my back got really tense. <laughs> like, I can't believe, um, but yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's a, how did you do at the Nova? Do you remember do like, how did how did the piece that you were able to bring back and preserve did was that did that piece do well? Oh yeah, yeah. Did, I think they'd already judged the other ones, thankfully, so it mm-hmm. didn't really affect things too much. But yeah, I, I think I got best in show that year and and a couple of best of categories. So that's why it was early Nova Open before all the good people showed up, so I I, I could clean up. Oh, I don't know. I I, I I you know it's funny. Like one of the things you show you showed me a picture of something from ten years ago to what you're working on now. Um, it was damn good back then. And like I said last night that they're not even in the same ballpark. Like it's, uh, it's really cool to see like what 10 years of painting can really do. Yeah. You, yeah. you know what I mean? It is really neat to, um, hopefully, um, if you don't mind, um, when we post the episode, I'd like to do that, show those pictures and like oh, David, course. David, 10 years ago, David now, you know, and such. And I had, I had a couple of people too that, uh, when I, when I was talking to them about our, our, our show schedule and you're like, I mentioned your name, they're like, ah, oh, yes. You know, so you're, you're definitely well known. So I wouldn't, I would not uh, say that you cleaning up back then is any indication of the low level of the competition back then, <laughs> but that's okay. Neither here nor there. When we're younger in the painting journey, 
Uh, we're like, oh, I'm going to glaze and I'm going to learn how to glaze and like kind of get it or I'm going to wet blend. And that's kind of like the, 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 the way you're going to do it. Um, are, has your painting kind of evolved to where you're, you don't have like a preferred technique. You just kind of go with what, what, what's in front of you. Uh, I mean, I, I, I wish I could say yes. I mean, I, I, there are a lot of painters who, who have, you know, they can do wet blending great and they do, uh, you know, the loaded brush and you've got glazing and all these, you know, they, they sort of know all the different techniques. And, and I, I admire that. But I just, you know, for me, I haven't put the time into it to, like, to get like really good at wet blending. Like, I, just, I just I would love to learn how to do it. I just haven't found the time to, you know. And the hard part, too, is like you want everything to look good. So it's hard to go back to like those earlier techniques. and You're like, it's going to look bad because I don't know how to do it yet. And so it, it can be kind of frustrating to go back and, and relearn those things. But, you know, you pick up things as, as you go. And so, I mean, I think my painting is sort of somewhere in between kind of feathering and, and you know, glazing. It's thinned down, but it's there's feathering in there. And, and you know, I'll use glazing for like color, like true glazing for, for color variation. Um, but, yeah, I just kind of pick up as I go and kind of just mess around until I, I like what I get. But. Yeah, it's kind of a, a mashup of a couple different techniques, I think. Yeah, you know what? That, that's funny because I've heard people, you know, say, "Oh, you know, you know, use the technique that 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 applies to the situation." But I, I can't lie. I actually, when when people complain about talking about, "Oh, I put thirty layers," it was really annoying. I find something zen in it. Like, I don't know what it is like, but I like I, I, I'm because I, I wind up looking and I'm like, oh, crap, I'm basically painting with dirty paint water. Um, <laughs> but I've lost two hours and I'm happy. you know. <laughs> so but OK, so you're more of a just a, a, a thin paint painter that like, and you'll build layers, et cetera. And that's awesome because that's the I, I, I'm like that as well. Um is there like in your list, what kind of is the next thing that you want to tackle? In terms of like, oh, oh like the, the technique or the, or the subject or, or like, to, uh, yes, to improve any, on or, okay. Any yeah, I mean, right, right now. And, and probably for the last like two years, probably it's been just light and believable, believable light effects. Mm-hmm. Um, and just improving that. Cause I, you know, I, I started out as I said, like, you know, really inspired by kind of the high contrast of the European painters and, we're doing that for a long time and, and that's neat and it looks good, but it's not necessarily meant to replicate what the real light's doing. And right. so, like I said, I'm, I'm, I said, I just did. And, and the, the other one I'm working on too, I've, I've been inspired by, you know, Eric doing, doing shadows. And, and uh, um, I think I'm finally, a couple of years ago at Nova, I took Roman's class on atmosphere and sort of, you know, I learned about, you know, light color and, and ambient light and things like that. And, you know, I, I, I understood it. Um, but I think it was only kind of just in the last year that I'm like, okay, oh, now I finally get it. I'm finally understanding like, you know, saying like, oh, add more color to your highlight. I'm like, oh yeah. And it's like, you know, this off white, like, oh, it's a little bit yellow. It's like, no, 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 you need to add more color. And now I'm finally, finally really getting that. Um, and so I'm, I'm running with that and trying to, trying to get realistic light, light color, ambient color, reflected light, um, you know, cast shadows, kind of all of that. So that's, that's kind of where I am right now. That's, that's, that's one of my big, big focus area. Uh, why, why is it when we take these European painter classes that it takes us years to unpack this stuff? Cause I took Roman's boot camp like five years ago and I'm still going, Oh, that's what Roman meant. Oh, you yeah. know, like, yeah, like it's taken forever to, I don't know. <laughs> feel like maybe, maybe it's American educational system is slow. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it, anything you can read about it, but actually doing it is, is different. So you take the class, you true. sit in there and you learn it, but until Very you true. get your hands dirty, it's, it's, and that's what I say, take notes. Like I, I remember going to Roman's class and I'm, I'm jotting down notes because it's, yeah, you're not going to really get it for like a year or two sometimes, you know, so having those, those things you can look back to, um, you know, I've been, I've been right. tempted to buy, like he's got his, uh, the, the, the tutorials on Etsy and I'm like, I took the class, but you know what? I still, I still probably missed half of what was in there. So I'm just going to go ahead and buy the tutorial on Etsy because that's yeah. still stuff in there to, to, to glean from it. Yeah, I bought three. I can't lie. I, yeah. I got, I, I, I'm, I didn't even. I just went straight to the printer. I went print, 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 yeah. so I can have them as a little uh, Roman reference material for sure. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I, I find there's no shame in that, man. <laughs> um. So one of the fun things that we kind of do with, with artists is a lightning round. And 
Uh, what I've start I've stopped doing is giving question these questions to artists because I want to get their kind of first thing that comes off the top of their head. Some of them will be if you I don't know if you've heard any of the lightning round episodes before, but um, they're pretty simple questions. You know, <laughs> like we'll we'll start off easy uh, with the first one. Uh, the gods of the brush have descended upon you and said you may paint with only one paintbrush for the rest of your life. What to, what brush? What size? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm probably a Winsor Newton, uh, uh, guy. So that's been my, my main workhorse. And, and I, I know people have like the big brushes, but I, I'll use like a, a zero or a double zero for, for so much stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little brush guy. That's right. That excellent. Excellent. Non-metallic metal or true metallic metal and why? Yes. Um, no, I mean, I, I I'm, I'm, you know, I, I started out with true metallic metals. I'm, I'm probably going to always do true metallic metals, but I'm, I'm trying to do more and more non-metallic with my true metallic, you know, working more matte paint in to control location of highlights and shadows and reflections. So it's a, it's a bit of, it's true metallic, but it's a bit of both. Okay. Um, heavy body, model paints, inks, or oils? More for me, model paints, you know, I, I, I see the benefit of everything else, but I just, it's my experience. So. Nice. There's not, ain't nothing wrong with it. They yeah. make them for a reason, right? Exactly. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, oh, how often do you paint? Uh, yeah, I mean, not as much as I, as I want to <laughs> is the answer. Uh, yeah, I, I, we had, we had one kid and that took, Penny took a, took a nosedive and then they finally got back to like normal naps. And so that kind of got back up again. And then we, we added another kid. And so again, it kind of went, went down my painting time, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to at least once a week get the paint, um, but you know, it's, it's just, it's just, you know, one kid might be napping. The other one wants to go play. So you're like, okay, well, all right. I'll, <laughs> no painting this week. And that's, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, but yeah. And you've got young and young and see, I've got teenagers. Yeah. So we're in a different place. Yeah. Half I'm, the I'm time, trying to get, yeah. <laughs> half the time mine don't care that I exist and I, I'm just a wallet in a car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to get my oldest into painting or into art, you know, stuff. So like she can do some art while I do my painting. Mm -hmm. um, but the attention span isn't quite there, you know, like I'm going to paint for two hours and she's going to paint for 20 minutes and then, you know, want to do something else. And so, <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I told that I, I totally get for sure, but well, thank you for doing a little bit of lightning round with us. No I worries. appreciate it. Um, I do want to get into a couple of specific projects that you were, that you worked on in the past. And, um, the first is probably my favorite piece by you, uh, which is, uh, a big child, I believe it's a big child figure of the child thief that you converted into Molly. I believe that's the name. Yeah. Um, it was terrible kid stuff, but, but yeah, but yeah. Terrible uh, kid uh, stuff. Uh, I was close, <laughs> but they, they definitely have a similar feel to them. So yeah. <laughs> can you, can you talk to me about the inspiration for that? Cause I'll, I'll tell you, I see that. I see something very different. I see, uh, are you familiar with Stephen King's works at all? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so kind of his portrayal of the devil is a character named Randall flag. Okay. And I, I see every time I look at that pic, I'm like, see that that's where my mind goes first to <laughs> Randall flag of, from Stephen King's uh, world. So can you talk to us about the inspiration, how you kind of came up with it and approach that project? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so um, I, I got into a, a critical role, um, which is a, a D and D uh, Twitch cast. Uh, um, and actually, it was, it was a, a fellow painter, um, Mario uh, Suhardi, who got me into it. And I'm not sure he, he even knows that, but it was he posted on Facebook, and I saw it, and I started watching. And so I just really wanted to do like a character from from that show. And mm -hmm. uh, it was kind of right when like campaign one was ending and campaign two was going to start. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll wait for campaign two, and I'll do one of the new characters. And then they pick all these like wacky, wacky characters. Like the first one was like half elves and like stuff that you can find, you know, a, a barbarian barbarian. I'm like, yeah, those are, those are easy to kind of find a good proxy model for. And then campaign two is like tieflings and uh, a, a female goblin. And like just all these things that just like, there's nothing that I can, you know, easily convert for, for that. So I was just kind of just looking out for something that might, might work. Maybe I can make something into one of these. And, um, yeah, I think I started painting the child thief as as the child thief, and just didn't didn't it just, just didn't feel right, and I kind of just put it down. And uh, but that pose just kind of stuck with me, and just kind of fit fit that character who's kind of this this carnival character. So I kind of just saw him out in front of that, and um, and then yeah, I just said, you know what? This is a kind of it's like a free figure. I'm not gonna I probably can ever finish painting it. So if I screw it up with a conversion, what have I lost? 
um, and just kind of went to went to town and just had a lot of fun. You know, I, I haven't really done much conversions before that. I mean, just real, real simple stuff. So this was, you know, converting the whole outfit, adding horns, adding a tail. Um, you know, there was, there was a lot, lot to it. And so it was, it was a really fun learning experience and I, I'm really happy with how it turned out. And then, and then the painting, it was a, you know, a character who's the, the, the actor who made the character, his, his, one of his inspirations to make a character that'd be really, really hard to cosplay, you know, make this crazy outfit that just, you know, to make, to give cosplays is a real challenge. And I'm like, also for mini painters, we want to try and paint that outfit. That's a real challenge. So it was just something covered in, covered in freehand. And that's something that I, we talked earlier about kind of stuff that you like doing. I like doing freehand, so it was a it was a fun challenge for for me to try and do all that all that freehand. And yeah. it's a know, beautiful piece. I, it's a yeah. I, it's actually like um, you know you have people like you know probably with Banshee. I think a Hellboy. Uh, you know Roman. I'm now it's now instead of Last Light, it's replaced by the zombie apocalypse <laughs> oh, thing, yeah. right? But for you, that's actually like when 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 I hear your name, that's the first piece that comes to my mind. Is that oh, I love you. I love that piece. Um, the other piece I wanted to talk to you about is the Crusader, mm-hmm. um, and kind of two parts with it because you, you touched a little bit on the freehand. Um, but the other thing I wanted to talk is I know you wrote an article for I think it was Historical Figure Painters or a magazine. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm curious as to kind of how that went and that that experience of writing about your miniature painting, how that how, what like how that all came about and how what, how you felt about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I like, I like teaching, you know, I mean, I, 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 I'm not a, a, a teacher teacher, but I mean, in, in school, I, you know, I tutored, I, I was a, a TA. And so I, I enjoy working with people and kind of teaching things. So I've always kind of thought that over my miniature painting and, and, you know, we, we learn and pick up so much as we paint and just kind of to give back to the hobby. And, and so that's why, you know, I, I post tutorials online, you know, there's just stuff that's free posted. I write, you know, I've written for articles for, for magazines. Um, yeah, you know, it was a little easier when I had more time to paint. Um, you know, now it's like to take, yeah, you know, I take the time to like photograph every stage along the way. You know, I'm like, well, if I only have an hour to paint, I'm like, I don't have time to photograph. So I haven't, I haven't written as many articles recently as I, as I you know, I, as I used to. Um, but it's just, you know, don't feel like you need to be the best painter to write about painting. Um, you know, everybody, you know, if you're not, if it's not your first day painting, you know more than somebody else. And you can share that information. Um, and, and often I think, you know, you know, in, in terms of like TAing in school, you know, I remember, you know, the professor who has been doing it for 20 years, you know, they kind of have a different perspective than the person who just learned it like two years ago. And so sometimes the new people can learn a little bit more easily from the TA who is, who remembers why it was hard, remembers what, you know, caught them up. Um, you know, and, and they can get things across to the students in, in a, a, a more organic fashion or an easier fashion than sometimes the person who is, you know, they're so, they don't for so long, they forget why it was hard in the first place. Um, and so, you know, just even though you don't feel like, yeah, I mean, I'm not the best painter, I'm not this or that, you know, I mean, you're, you still have information and you can still share with people and maybe the way you're going to share it is going to get through to that person more than, you know, the way Banshee shares it or somebody who is, you know, you know, this, this, you know, the, the pinnacle, like, just because they've been doing it for, for so long. Um, so yeah, just, you know, give, give back. And, and uh, yeah, I liked writing tutorials. So that was, that was it. <laughs> no, that's okay. And that, that's simple. And, and it's great because um, you're like, I, I, I've, read, I've read the, I have to go back and get the Crusader article. Cause I need to remember how to do the air, how you wrote about doing the arrows. Um, Cause I have a, I have a Crusader at the battle of Hattin. Yeah, I- that I'm doing. And so I'm, I know I'm pretty sure it was massive voodoo. I'm, I'm pretty sure I just, I just took that, that idea from massive voodoo. So <laughs> nice, 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 nice. nice. And, um, and so I have a crusader battle Hattin and uh, to make it historically accurate, I, I don't know how much you know about it, but basically this army was surrounded by Saladin's archers right, yeah, yeah. for miles and, you know, through their entire heart. So I figured there would probably be a crap ton of arrows around yeah. this dude and in the shield and stuff like that. And so I'm like, and that's what I was like, ah, oh, okay. I think David Powell wrote an article on this and I'm like, <laughs> searching for, um, but I'm like, it can't be toothpicks. They're too big, you know, <laughs> for sure. But um, so as somebody who is a consumer of this type of information, I appreciate when people post articles like you do, et cetera, you know, that's really, uh, we, uh, people learn a lot from, I've had great miniature art teachers 
and ones that I know connect with other people that never connected with me. Mm-hmm. And it, they, so you, you, you're, what you're saying hits home on that, that, uh, cause I know there's some amazing artists that I was just kind of like, ah, I have no idea what this dude's talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so any conventions in your future here? Um, nothing, nothing planned. Yeah. I mean, between the little ones and then COVID, like it, it, it definitely took a hit of my convention, uh, 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 plans, but I'm, I'm hoping in the next year, start getting back to some shows. You know, I love to get back out to the East coast and hit up, you know, MSCA or, or Nova open. Um, I still haven't, even though I live out on the on, out West, I still haven't had a chance to go to, or I still haven't managed to get out to the, the Las Vegas, uh, miniature show. And I, and I hear that's great. And seems like that's really been, been getting growing strong. So I'll get to there and, you know, still one day on the bucket list. I want to get out to, uh, to, to Monte San Savino. And, and so, you know, we're, we're, you know, maybe in the next year or two, we can, can do a family trip to Italy kind of right around that time. And, and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're discussing it, but just haven't quite figured out, you know, which year it's going to be. But. Right. Yeah. That's kind of, yeah, that's definitely a bucket list for a lot of painters, you know, just to, just to be able to take a figure there and put it there, you know what I mean? Like, and be a part of the atmosphere would be awesome. Yeah, for sure. You, you know, ReaperCon's pretty close. I'm going to Oh, yeah, that's true. that's true. That's, that's another one. I'm, I'm, I forgot to mention that one. That's another one that, that yeah, I do is, is also on the, like, I really should do that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and what you're, what you're saying is true. Not, you don't have to be the best, best miniature painter to teach because they actually let, are letting me teach three classes this year. So. <laughs> You know, and then I'm TAing with one uh, with a person too on an airbrush oh, nice. class. So, yeah, no, it's it, I, I I'm sticking to my like I, as I, I explain it to Eric, I'm like I stay I'm staying in my lane, and that I'm good with creativity and ideas and stories for basing, etc. I have a longer way to my my journey in painting needs to do some catching up to my creativity. You know, <laughs> I'm still working that level, but so I'm teaching like three, how to do a jungle, how to do a desert, how to do ruin bases. And so, Oh, nice. Nice. Um, yeah. Simple. It's simple, but uh, fun with composition for sure. Um, so a couple of things that we kind of always kind of wrap up interviews with. The first one is, is there a model out there um, that hasn't been made yet that you would like to see made. And uh, I use the example of the characters from Stephen King's Dark Tower um, that I would love to see miniatures of them. I originally was saying the Silverhawks and then somebody did them. Um, so I was like, oh, okay. So I had to go buy those. But um, what is there anything out there that you would like to see? Yeah, I mean, my answer for that probably been different a couple of years ago, but now that I've started doing some conversions, it's a little bit easier to kind of think that, okay, well, if there's some character that's not there, I can find something close and and I feel a little bit more confident making it myself. Um, that being said, I mean, there's still, it's still no substitute for like, you know, a professional sculptor doing that figure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think kind of just different things. Um, one thing I don't really see out there is like supporting figures. So like, you know, cause you have a lot of like the main character figures, but like, I want to have another figure in this scene and sort of just kind of a nice, like range of just sort of characters that kind of fit with other characters that you kind of can, can bring into your scene would just be neat to neat to see. Yeah. I mean, here's some dead bodies. Here's some, you know, here's some guy reacting or, or kind of just stuff that, you know, I've got, um, I, I actually run my, my desk over here. I've got the, this, this centaur from, uh, um, uh, black sun. Um, where he's like, you know, stabbing down on something. And I'm like, well, I need, I need someone else. I need someone there, like, you know, with his arm up trying to block, you know, and, and it needs another figure. Like it's calling out for another, you know, and I'm still, I'm still waiting to paint that until I can find the figure that's going to go with it. So kind of just or a nice set of supporting characters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A nice set of supporting characters. I, I like to see that. Well, that's cool. There are so many places you can go. And when you said the, per, like a figure reacting, that changes like that. That's so that could change like a static figure who's just standing there and yeah. having somebody behind like, that. Like the any 3D sculptors out there need to be listening to this. Take us because, you know, you have two buyers right now oh, yeah. um, uh, for sure that. Yeah. Somebody reacting or a person like diving, you know, like kind of like yeah. trying to get out of the way of stuff that. Man, I got my brain going. I might have to pick up a brush after this. <laughs> and then the, the, typically the last thing we do ask is um, our motto of the podcast is better, braver, happier painters. And is there some advice that you could give our listeners as they continue their journeys? 
Yeah, and I'll tell you, Pat, how I said early on, is just like the, you know, pick with each project, just pick one or two things. Like, don't stress out about all the stuff you can do better. Just say, you know, on this one, I really want to work on my, you know, metallics, or I want to work on my freehand. And the fact that everything else isn't done perfectly, that's fine. Like, just, you know, it's that baby steps. Like, you know, you don't need to do everything all at once. Um, and just kind of just, you know, give yourself the permission to not do everything perfectly, you know, and just, just pick one or two things that you want to try and improve on and let everything else just don't worry about it. Don't let that hang over you and, and you know, keep you from, you know, finishing a project or, or starting a project. Just, you know, focus on small things. And, and you know, over time, you'll add the rest. You know, you'll, you'll get to there, um, but just one thing at a time. Oh, that's perfect. I appreciate that's great advice. And will you tell our listeners uh, where are the best places to find you in social media? Yeah, so I mean, I, I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm 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 not great at Instagram, but I'm I'm trying to get better at it. Um, but I'm I'm you know at Mini Painter Dave on Instagram and Twitter. Twitter's probably where I post more stuff than Instagram, but uh, those are where you can find me. So awesome. Excellent. Yeah. And we'll put links to the show and the show notes too, as well. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely push out uh, your artwork because you're definitely an artist that, uh, you know, that, that people need to know, you know, (laughs) I appreciate it again. Thank you so much uh, for taking your time out of your busy schedule. My pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Dan and I would like to thank David Powell for joining us today. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing your painting journey. We really enjoyed hearing uh, about uh, how you approach painting and just uh, all the wonderful advice that you provided to our listeners. You can find him on Instagram at MiniPainterDave as well as on Twitter at the same handle. We'll put links in the show notes. But again, uh, David, so much. thank you so much for, for being a part of the show, and we look forward to talking to you in the future and seeing what other amazing work you produce. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan. You can also find us on Twitter at Dry Listening, although I'm contemplating giving up the Twitter account just because we won't really get much traffic from that, but, you know, who knows. You can write us an email at listeningtopainttry at gmail.com. Yeah, but we'd love to hear from you. What are you working on? Uh, Thoughts about future shows, other people that you think we should interview, anything you got to say about the world of miniature painting, we'd love to hear from you. So again, that's listening to paintry at gmail.com. We'll be back again in a week. Uh, This time we will have Slayer Sword winner Gavin Garza on. Uh, That's also a very fun interview. It's already actually in the can and ready to go. So we are back in stride on our content again. Forgive us for being a little late. But again, you know, Sometimes life gets in the way uh, of becoming a better, braver, happier painter. Until next time. Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan is a production of LTPTWMD. All rights reserved. No portion of this recording may be used without the express written consent of the host. The music is Death by a Thousand Questions by Springtide. Download from the free music archive on a non-commercial attribution share alike basis. All views and opinions expressed in the show are solely the views and opinions of the person who said them. All celebrity voices, if any, were impersonated and done so poorly.